From NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News, this is the Lone Star Politics Podcast. I'm Chris Blake. The Democratic Party completed a first-of-its-kind virtual convention last week, and the Republicans will begin theirs on Monday. To look ahead to the GOP convention and back on the DNC, Julie Fine and Gromer Jeffers will be joined by Texas State Representative Victoria Niave and Roy Bailey, a Dallas businessman and national finance co-chair of Trump Victory. Later, Julian Gromer review the Democrats' convention and break down what the Republicans need to do this week. We'll start with a look ahead to the RNC, which starts Monday with its base in Charlotte. Many of the scheduled speakers will address the nation from historic landmarks in the Washington area. First Lady Melania Trump will speak Tuesday, and Vice President Mike Pence takes the stage Wednesday. On Thursday night, President Donald Trump will formally accept his party's nomination from the White House, a move that has been questioned by some lawmakers but was cleared by an ethics office last week. Roy Bailey is a businessman from Dallas and the National Finance Co-Chair of Trump Victory, a joint fundraising committee between the Trump campaign and the Republican National Committee. He joins Julian Gromer to preview the convention. Roy, thanks so much for being with us. I love being with y'all. It's great to see you. Good morning. First, let me say happy birthday to my grandson, Cooper. He's turning six today. (laughs) Thank you. Happy birthday, Cooper. And Roy, let's turn to the convention. What are you expecting from it this week? I expect a big, fun celebration of accomplishments and hear what we're going to do for the next four years. I watched over the last week and I heard kind of a dark America, um, gloomy America. In fact, I heard the president say today that when Biden talks about America, it's about darkness. And when he talks about America, it's about greatness. And I think that's what we're going to hear next week. I think it's going to be full of the accomplishments, recognizing the accomplishments that the president's made in spite of every hurdle, everything thrown at him, including the kitchen sink, including impeachment. In spite of all that, everything he's accomplished is really remarkable. So, Roy, given what you heard from the Democrats last week, and you just said a little bit now, but what does President Trump have to do what sort of message does he have to deliver? And, and how do you expect he'll talk about the next term in terms of his goals? Well, I think that, uh, you know, what we heard last week was what's wrong with America. Uh, you didn't hear anything about chaos in the streets, lawlessness, defunding police. How do we protect communities? China trying to own us, you know, an aggressive China. I think we're going to hear the exact opposite from President Trump. I think we're going to hear how he will protect us, how he will protect people in the suburbs and people in the cities. And if he has to in these blue states that are mismanaged and allowing the lawlessness, you know, if you think about it, you don't hear anything. There's no condemnation at all. It's just like it's okay. And it's not. And I think Americans understand that. So I think we're going to hear that from him. Uh, We're going to hear about his accomplishments. There are far too many to list. Promises made, promises kept. It's so refreshing that we've had a president for four years now almost that actually has done what he promised to do when he was elected. So if you don't like what he's doing, you're not going to vote for him. But if you like that direction of the country, you're going to support him for four more years. And I think that's what we're going to hear. Roy, let's talk a little bit about the COVID response. He has been criticized for how it's been handled and the death count. Uh, What do you say to that? I actually think he's handled it well. I think, you know, he was the first to shut down travel from China. The Democratic leaders told him it was the wrong thing to do. They condemned him for doing it. Um, He was the first to shut down travel to Europe. They harassed him for doing that, and it proved out that his instincts were good. If you think about it, the only really risk he had to a reelection 
my humble opinion, is a bad economy. He had the greatest economy in the history of the world, and he took, he did what was right for the country. He listened to the scientists, and he shut it down to prevent loss of life, in spite of the fact it took a toll on our economy. Now, he built the greatest economy in the history of the world, and he'll build it back. You know, when you, I saw a poll earlier this week, I think it was uh, NBC, in fact, Wall Street Journal poll, that said he was up by 10 points by people, 10 points in a poll over Biden based on the economy. Usually, Gromer, Julie, you'll, you'll agree, I think, that most presidential elections are a referendum on the economy. Nobody has had a more successful economy than this president. You cannot blame the economy we're in now. You can't blame him for the COVID virus, the Chinese virus. You cannot blame Trump for that. Yeah, well, well, so if there's anybody, if there's anybody that can rebuild the economy that he built once before, it's President Trump. And I think people believe that. It's showing up in the polls. I think people are going to vote their pocketbooks. Roy, you're, you're National Finance Co-Chair for Trump Victory. Polls show Texas is a close race in Texas between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Do you anticipate the president will spend time and resources in Texas to win Texas? And is that what he should do? I don't think the president needs to come here to win Texas. I think the president needs to be in the swing states. Texas is all red. Anybody's believing this stuff is just full of malarkey. You know, it showed, I was glad to see Congressman Allred featured. They gave him 60 seconds at the Democratic convention this week. That shows me they must think that he's in trouble. Genevieve Collins is gonna take it to him and, and they must think that he's in trouble. I didn't see it. I didn't see like they did other Democratic senators Doug Jones and others, highly profiled, plenty of time. I didn't see uh, Miss MJ Hager with a with a big front row seat at this convention. It must mean that they think Senator Cornyn is going to win re-election. That's what that's what we think. We we think there's no question that President Trump is going to win Texas. So you don't think he'll spend a lot of time or money here in Texas? I don't think he will. I hope he doesn't. I want him to spend it where he needs to spend it, which is winning battleground state. Texas is not a battleground state. Roy, so you're right. totally confident Texas, you really believe Texas is not a battleground state and that the Republicans have it? Yes, ma'am. I totally believe that, Julie. I think it's by five or six points. I don't think it'll be close. Texans are smart. They see, look, there's never been a greater president for, for the oil and gas industry. Texas economy is so dependent on the oil and gas industry. There's never been a greater president. They realize that. Biden and the, the leftist part of the Democratic Party, they want to shut it all down. They've said it. They've said it straight up. So they would shut down the strongest part of our economy. So how does that sell in Texas? Sell in Texas. So, Roy, let, let me get you out of here on this. You're a veteran political guy. You've been around many campaigns. What worries you most about Trump's reelection bid? What's the thing that you're most worried about? I don't have a good answer for that. Um, I think we just got to execute 73 days to go or 71 days to go now. I think we got to execute. I talked to the campaign manager. He said, let's just go win it every day from now on. Let's go win every day, a day at a time, block and tackle, do our job. We've got the, the finest finance committee ever in the history of presidential politics. You won't believe this. We have over 8,000 signed up registered bundlers raising money for us. We've raised over a billion dollars for this campaign, a billion dollars raised for this campaign with 8,000 bundlers. It's unprecedented. We, got, we raised $165 million in the month of July. We raised $20 million more than Biden. So that shows strength. That shows strength in a campaign.
Roy Bailey, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate your time. It's great being with y'all. Thanks for the job you do. Thanks for bringing this to Dallas-Fort Worth community. We really appreciate your show. Catch live coverage of the Republican National Convention Monday through Thursday starting at 7 on NBCDFW.com. NBC News coverage of the final hour each night begins at 9 on NBC5. The Democratic National Convention wrapped Thursday night with former Vice President Joe Biden making his first speech as the party's nominee. He laid out his vision for the country with an emphasis on four areas, coronavirus response, the economy, social injustice, and climate change. State Representative Victoria Niave was among the Texans who spoke during the DNC. Niave was elected to the Texas House in 2016 and represents parts of East Dallas, Mesquite, and South Garland. Here she is with Julian Gromer. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So you were part of the keynote address, which featured several people. How did that all come about? You know, I was so honored to be invited by the Biden campaign to be among a list of incredible rising leaders from all across the country in this time when so much of you know, what we stand for as a country is at stake and what is on the ballot. And so, especially now, we have an opportunity to correct the course of our nation by electing Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. So I was just so, so excited to be a part of that history-making process. Of course, Representative, now the, the, the real hard work begins, which is the sprint uh, between now and November. In Texas, how do you unlock the Latino vote in order to give Democrats a better chance of winning statewide? Sure. Texas is the biggest battleground state. We are working hard every single day to make sure that folks are registered to vote and that they know about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's policy platform because it really makes a big difference and will make a difference on the lives of our fellow Texans, of Latinos, of people of color all across our state, especially with respect to providing economic opportunity. And they have a plan to address a post-COVID economy to make sure that nobody is left behind, like a lot of folks have been left behind by Trump's policies. Do you think the National Party will put in the resources in Texas? Absolutely, they are. We are seeing historic investments in Texas. They know that Texas is the biggest battleground state. They've hired a phenomenal team that is battle-tested right here in the Lone Star State that's led by my good friend, Rebecca Acuna. So they, they're investing, they're making significant ad buys because they know the value that every single vote of our community right here in Texas can make a difference. Because if we win Texas, we win the White House. Victoria, Democrats are nine seats away from taking over the Texas House. I know that's important to you. Describe what it looks like here in North Texas, that, that fight. I think there's so much energy here in North Texas. Uh, we, and I know the Biden campaign, which will have an impact on lower down ballot races, working hard, Democrats, independents, and Republicans uniting to make sure that folks turn out to vote. This is such an important election where lives are on the line, livelihoods are on the line. And so, uh, you know, people are working two jobs, some people still out of work, there are businesses that still haven't reopened. And what that means, an individual's vote will make a big difference on the policy that impacts them and their pocketbooks right here at home. So it matters, every single vote matters. And I know there are campaigns all across North Texas who are working hard to earn votes from folks of all ideological spectrums. And right after the election, the legislature begins, that's in fewer than six months. What's the biggest budget concern right now? 
I think the number one thing that we need to address is making sure that our neighborhood schools are taken care of, that our teachers are taken care of, that children have the resources they need. We're seeing this big digital divide from kids who don't have access to internet or computers. And I know there are lots of school districts in the state doing what they can to make sure that those tools are in the hands of our kids. Because if our kids, like I was a first generation uh, college graduate in my family, and we know that the path to economic success and prosperity for Texas is through education, making sure kids are taken care of and that they can go on and pursue higher education as well. Uh, Representative, uh, what needs to be done in, in this area as it relates to COVID-19? Schools are, are, are getting ready to open and, and it's still a big problem here in Dallas County in North Texas. The number one thing we need to do is follow the science, make sure that decisions are data driven, that the health and the safety of our kids in our schools, the health and safety of our teachers and families is the number one priority. We have to make sure that our kids continue to be educated. So I'm just really, uh, our fellow North Texans are so resilient as we see parents balancing work as well as Zoom meetings with their children, teachers who are doing what they can to connect with the children to make sure that they have the education that they need to succeed. And so um, we just, we will get through this. I, I, I want our, our fellow North Texans to know that we will get out of this. We have to continue to wear masks during this time and uh, we will come out of this better and stronger than ever. Representative Niave, Dallas ISD has pushed back its in-person starting date further. Do you think that's a good idea? I believe that they followed the science. They listened to the health experts to be able to make that idea. And I'm trusting the judgment of the local superintendent to be able to do that to keep people safe. So I think it was a wise decision. Representative, of course, uh, the election in November will determine the speaker's race uh, in, in the Texas House. But any early thoughts about uh, the speaker's race, potential Democrats maybe emerging if you guys do take over the House? You know, it's so exciting. We don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be up to the voters to really determine what our Texas House is going to look like, and that will in turn determine what type of speaker that we're going to have. I think that we need somebody who works across the aisle uh, and that is pragmatic and focuses on the real issues impacting Texans and instead of the extremist policies that we have seen in the past. And so uh, the voters will be making that decision in terms of the the, the priorities that they want for us as a Texas House to focus on. And finally, there's a lot of talk about Texas being a battleground, that Democrats finally will win a statewide race. If that happens, it will be because of what? It will be because of the hard work of Texans all across the state, Democrats, independents, Republicans coming together to make Donald Trump a one-term president. We can do it. The numbers are here. It's going to be a really tight race. We cannot take any vote for granted, and we are fighting tooth and nail to earn every single vote. State Representative Victoria Niave, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. The Democrats need to flip nine seats to take the Texas House, and Niave is running for what would be her third term in State District 107 against Republican Samuel Smith. Election Day is November 3rd. With the Democratic National Convention in the books, Julie and Gromer look ahead to the GOP convention, which starts Monday. Well, Gromer, one down, one to go. That's right. What does the president need to do this week? A couple of things. First of all, 
he needs to reassure the country and folks that have doubts about him. One, that he's in control, that he's on top of the situation, whether it's the coronavirus pandemic, uh, restoring the economy, the social justice movement, all of this, all everything that's going on now, he needs to uh, prove himself to be a leader. And this is an opportunity for him to do that. He'll be able, he'll have the, the country watching is his show. The Republicans, uh, it's their turn to put on a virtual show. That goes. But he has to, to reassure not just people who have doubts about him, but his supporters, that he's the same Donald Trump that made the promises he made in 2016, that was able to, to shepherd a, a, a thriving economy until, until COVID-19 hit. And he also needs to articulate what the next four years, four more, four more years of Donald Trump, what that will look like. The virtual conventions, it takes a second to get used to. It does. The first night, you know, it, I, I felt like as the week went on, you got, you, you sort of got more familiar, familiar with the format. Yeah, when you're at a convention, you're held hostage in a sense, especially if you're a delegate or you're in the delegate hall. If you're at home watching, there's a temptation to flip the channel, check out the Mavericks, you know, see what's going on with the game. <laughs> I'm sure you never did that, Grover. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I may have turned on the Cubs Cardinals for a little bit, but but yeah, there's a temptation to, to go get something to eat or, or walk outside. And, and so the programming has to be interesting, right? It has to hold your attention. It has to be captivating in a sense. And if you're, if you're putting on one of these conventions, if you put on a good show, that helps. In, in many ways, a virtual convention can be more useful than an in-person convention in terms of the television audience. Well, and in terms of the audience inside, too, because I'm sure you remember, they play videos inside all the time. That People don't pay as much attention inside. They kind of wait for the speakers. Now you're focused. I mean, you're right in there. Yeah, and it's more artificial. They, they put signs under the seats of folks and tell them when to raise their signs and things like that, tell them when to cheer. The quality, the production quality of a televised convention that's virtual, you have the opportunity then to sort of for two hours to put on a, a great combination of things, a documentary, a live show. Uh, it can make you laugh. It can make you cry. Some of the great moments from the Democratic Convention, the World War 94, 95-year-old World War II veteran. Uh, who said he voted re yeah. Republican most of the time. The, the kid from New Hampshire with the stuff. No, those are moments that you may get at an in-person convention, but, but you can really us. knock it out with, with a, 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 slickly, a slickly produced virtual convention. So I feel like we've just been through one, but yet I don't think we know totally what to expect next week. No, I mean, the, we know we're going to hear from the president and the right. vice president. We don't know what to expect. Now, keep this in mind. Republicans thought that uh, for a long time that they were, would be able to have an in-person convention. You know, they just recently abandoned the, the thought of an in-person convention. What they have to guard against is what happened to the Texas Republican Party. You know, they, they were planning for an in-person convention, a state convention. It didn't happen. And the virtual convention was, was a disaster of sorts in a lot of ways because they weren't able to produce a good show. I mean, because they, they weren't prepared for it. So the Republicans have to be prepared to, to put on, to produce a good show. And, and it'll be interesting, their speaker, the speaker list, we still don't know, right? Yeah, as of our discussion as of here. As of our discussion yeah. here. So we'll see who takes center stage, 
how they will keep it interesting, and what the message will be. Again, what will four more years of Donald Trump look like? I think people want to hear that. Thanks, Roma. Hey, it's always I good love to it. talk to I you. I love having you here for this extra part, yeah, so thanks. exactly. So uh, another hard week, though. I you know. know I, I I'm mean, so tired. Yeah, I, did you think you would be just as tired working a virtual convention? I, as, yeah, as, no, you know, I as, didn't. I really didn't. Do you know what? It's the hours. We're yeah. not used to being, well, you know me. I mean, I go to bed at, you know, quarter to Whenever nine. Whenever you go. Right. right. <laughs> But, but at least you can sleep in your own bed and you don't have to you yeah, know, you, make, right. the, We're make not the trip a, back to the hotel. Which in Milwaukee, it would have been an hour. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see you next week. We'll see you next one. Four more nights of staying up late so Julie can be right back here breaking down the RNC next week. Thanks to Roy Bailey and Representative Victoria Niave for joining the podcast this week. Stay up to date with the latest in Texas politics at NBCDFW.com slash Lone Star Politics. We'll talk to you next week.